Church, how we doing? How we doing? Are you guys good? Man, it is good to see you. You look good. You all look real good. I'm glad you guys are in the house. And that's that song. Come on, the blessing. Is that you guys love that? Am I the only one who's like on the front row, like ah, oh, losing it? Isn't that song so good? I love that song. Last weekend, Rob led the song, and that's like a Carrie Job song, which is like high notes. And Rob was like, ah, it's like wow, Rob. And then Kristen and Leslie, man, our team is so good. I love. Our team. Hey, and if you're new here, I love it that you're here. You are absolutely our favorite people walking in the building today. We are here to serve you. We hope you have a great experience at Bayshore today. And so we're glad you're here if you're new. And everybody who is joining us online, so glad you're hanging out with us. Everybody who's on YouTube Live, Facebook Live, Spotify, AOL Instant Messenger, we're glad you're with us. We just launched on AOL Instant Messenger, guys. Just kidding. <laughs> Just kidding. And if you still have AL Instant Messenger, that's sort of amazing. I don't know if that's a thing anymore or not. But I love our online family. I was part of the online family last weekend. I watched from my living room, and Cotter spoke last weekend. And didn't Cotter do an amazing job last weekend? It was so good. I'm in my living room just like shouting Cotter down. I'm like, preach it, brother. You know, shuck the corn. You know, all that stuff. <laughs> He did such a good job, but um, I'm so thankful for all my family. Glad you guys are with us. Uh, hey, I want to start out today uh, with a question, and this question is easy. This is not like a calculus-type question, because I barely passed calculus in school. I wouldn't even know how to ask a calculus question, okay? But here's the question. Uh, how many of you here have ever, and I mean ever, done something embarrassing? And marrying your spouse doesn't count, all right? That's just wrong, all right? Done something embarrassing? Let me see your hands. Wow. All right. That's a lot of hands. That just feels good to me to see that you've all done something embarrassing because <laughs> I did something so embarrassing the other day. And, and so let me, let me tell you the story. All right. Um, in my house, I am the school lunch lady. No offense if you actually are the school lunch lady at the school. I always love my school lunch ladies because they gave me like, those, those Dixie cups with like the wood spoon for the ice cream. You, remember, you guys remember those? Anyway, I love the school lunch ladies. And in my house, I'm the school lunch lady. And what that means is that um, most of the time I pack my kids' lunch for them. And, and so what that looks like is I go to the refrigerator and I get a Lunchable. And I put the Lunchable in their, in their lunchbox and I say, hey, hey, kids, here's your lunch for the day. All right? That, that's me as a school lunch lady. Now, I, I add some things to it. I'll put like a, you know, a cheese stick in there. I always put like a bag of carrots, a sandwich bag full of carrots for my boy Nixon in there. And so like I'm, a, I'm an above average school lunch lady because I add some things to the lunch, Lunchables. Um, but here's what happened the other day. One thing I can't stand as a school lunch lady is when my kids bring home like food that they did not eat in their lunchbox. Parents, you know what I'm talking about? That will get the school lunch lady all riled up, all right? I do not like that. And so the other day, Nixon put his, um, his lunchbox on the kitchen counter. I looked in there. There's a whole bag of his carrots that he did not eat there. And I'm like, Nix, why didn't you not eat the carrots, bud? And Nix looked right at me, just serious as he could be. He said, because, Daddy, there was a tooth in the bag of carrots. I'm like, do what now? He said, Daddy... There was a tooth in my bag of carrots. I'm like, what do you think? I'm an idiot, son. Like, I have heard some lines in my day. Like, that just takes them all right there. Like, come on. And I look down, and what do I see in the bag of carrots? A tooth. A human tooth, people. 
in the bag of carrots. I, I'm, I am not lying. So I got to thinking, and my daughter lost her tooth the day before. Some of you kind of know where this is going, don't you? And we put her tooth in a sandwich baggie so she could put it under her pillow so that the tooth fairy could visit her. But Nora did not want to put the sandwich bag tooth under her pillow because she's afraid of the tooth fairy. <laughs> Welcome to my house. All right. And so the bag with the tooth in it went on the kitchen counter while the school lunch lady just so happened to be packing lunches. And I looked down and I'm like, the Lord has blessed me with a baggie right here on the counter. And I put the, the, the carrots in that bag. That's how the tooth got in the bag of carrots. So I was concerned. So I said, Nixon, what did you do when you found a tooth in your bag of carrots? And he said, well, I told my teacher that daddy put a tooth in my bag of carrots. I'm like, I have, I'm going to get arrested, Nixon. I am getting arrested. <laughs> and since that happened, I have not looked at Nixon's teacher in the eyes because I know she is judging me as the worst school lunch lady ever. And some of you are judging me right now, so I need everybody to be honest in church. This is a true story. All right, how many of you, you just give me a little pinky if you just judge me a little bit during that story. Come on, give me a little pinky. You are not giving me a little pinky, so I am judging you because you just lied in church. <laughs> But I, t I tell you that because um, uh, that, that all of us know, all of us in this room, all of us who are watching online, we know what it's like to be judged or feel judged, right? We, we all know what that's like. You know what it's like to, to be judged or feel judged. If you've been to middle school, you know what it's like to feel judged. If you've ever been on Twitter, you know what it's like to feel judged. If you've been to a family reunion, hello. If you have ever been to the Philadelphia Eagles Stadium as a Baltimore Ravens fan, you know what it's like to be judged. Believe me, I can tell you from personal experience. We all know what it's like to feel judged. And on the flip side, we all know what it's like to judge other people. Now, you might be like, oh, not me, Pastor Joel. I don't judge anybody. I got like a perfect halo. It's like golden. It's shiny. Listen, we're glad you're here, uh, Angel Gabriel. But for the honest people in the room... We judge people, don't we? I judged somebody this week. I did. Here's what happened. I was driving down Route 26, and the light in front of me turned red, and so I stopped, and, and, and I took a picture of the car right in front of me. I'll, sh I'll show you the car right in front of me. I can't see this person's license plate, but they're definitely from New Jersey, okay? Like, they are definitely from New Jersey. All the New Jersey people are judging me right now. See, you're judging, all right? Listen, there are four kayaks and a stand-up paddleboard in the back of the minivan. Sticking so far out, I could have gotten one of the kayaks and taken a free ride. Listen, if I saw a Bayshore bumper sticker on this thing, I would have, I would have quit my job and become a school lunch lady, all right? Like that's <laughs> but pastor confession, I judge this person. I'm still judging that person. I'll be honest with you. We all know what it's like to judge someone. We all know what it's like to be judged. We all know what it's like to feel judged. And, and, and so we all know what that's like. But at the end of the day, I want Bayshore to be a place where anyone can walk in and feel loved and not judged. I want this to be a place where anybody can walk in and experience the grace of Jesus. Because what I believe is that the grace of Jesus has the power to change how we live way more than judging somebody ever will. 
And so today, I just want to tell you three things about our church, three things about who we are. And so are you guys ready? You guys ready? Okay, this section. You guys ready over here? Okay, that section just judged you because they thought they could do a little better than that. Are you guys ready? I'm not going to judge you did better. All right, I'm not going to do it. All right, but if you brought a Bible, head on over to Luke chapter 15. If you did not bring a Bible, no judgment. We got a 55-inch digital Bible. We'll show you where we're going to read. We're in Luke chapter 15, and uh, here's how he starts. Luke says, tax collectors and other notorious sinners. Paul's notorious sinners. Isn't that a label right there? Some of you are like, oh, that's good. I'm going to use that on my husband later today. <laughs> you better learn how to uh, undo the dishwasher, you notorious sinner. Like, like that notorious sinner, that is a label, all right? And, and a, a notorious sinner and a tax collector in Jesus' day, these were people who were known for their sin, all right? And so like modern-day translation, this could be like um, a, a, a drunk or an addict or, you know, um, a criminal. It could be a mean person, an angry person, somebody who, you know, had a child before they were married or somebody whose marriage didn't work out. It could be somebody who sticks four stinking kayaks in the back of their minivan and drives down the road. A notorious sinner is definitely a Pittsburgh Steelers fan. I'm just trying to paint the picture. Wow. Got some Steelers fans in here. Anyway, all right. But, but in Jesus' day, a notorious sinner, a ta- these tax collectors, the, these people were not even welcomed in the temple. They weren't even allowed in the temple. They were not welcomed in the temple. And so I'm sure Luke is going to be like, man, these notorious sinners, they are bad. All right, so that's what's going to happen. Luke, bring us there. Tell us what, what these tax collectors and other notorious sinners All right, Tax collectors and other notorious sinners Often came to listen to Jesus teach? What? Come on, come on, Jesus. You, you can't associate with those people. You're Jesus. Jesus. But you know what? There's something I say around here a lot, and, and, and verses like this is why. And, and this thing that I'm about to say, I stole it from Andy Stanley, so don't, you know, don't judge me. But we'll put this on the screen. People who are nothing like Jesus, like Jesus. And Jesus liked people who are nothing like him. Jesus liked people who were nothing like him, and people who were nothing like Jesus liked Jesus. So in Luke, the notorious sinners, they weren't even welcomed in the temple, but they are welcomed by Jesus? And so that brings me to the first thing about our church. All right, and we'll, we'll put this on the screen. We'll always be a church where everyone really is welcome where everyone really is welcome. So um, this week, uh, Stacey and I were driving down the road, you know, probably behind a, a minivan doing a kayak delivery to Dick's Sporting Goods or something, all right? We're driving down the road, and something hit me. It hit me that Stacy and I have now been together for half our lives. Half our lives we have been together, because when we started dating, Stacy was 18 years old, and now she is, well, you never tell a lady's age, right? Well, she's 18 times 2. <laughs> Some of you are like, oh, I'm confused right now. All right. <laughs> anyway, we've been together for almost two decades, but I still remember the very first time I went over to Stacy's dad's house and had, like, dinner with the family. All right? And so here's what happened. Stacy, one day, she was like, hey, Joel, do you want to, like, come meet my family and have dinner at my dad's house? And I was like, yes, I do. 
Because my wife was and is a smoke show, and I barely passed calculus. So I was like, this is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. I better take it. And so I went over um, to Stacy's uh, house. Well, before I went over, she said, okay, you can come over at 2 o'clock on Sunday. 2, two o'clock? What the world kind of weirdo family eats dinner at 2 o'clock? In my house, family dinner starts at 6, and it ends at 6.07. All right, that's, that's family dinner. Stacy's house, family dinner starts at 2 and ends in October. I mean, it's just insane. But I'm trying to, like, you know, get in with the family. And so I'm like, oh, yeah, I'll be there. And so I show up at 2 o'clock on Sunday. And the first thing is we have hors d'oeuvres. Now, I didn't know what an hors d'oeuvres was because I'm not French. I'm Sussex County, all right? Like, seriously. But we had hors d'oeuvres, and then we talked. And then we had appetizers, and then we talked. And then we all made the dinner together. I'm like, what kind of weird family is this? And no lie, Stacy's dad made like five pounds worth of mashed potatoes for dinner. I'm like, what, are we feeding all of France? Are you a potato farmer? Like, what, what is happening? But we ate dinner, and then we talked, and then we had dessert, and then we talked, and then we had dessert number two, and then we talked, and then we just brought the orders out and did it all over again. I mean, it was, it was unreal. But in her family, like, when you have dinner, it is like a thing. And, and like, who you eat with in her family, that is your family. That is your family. Those are your people. Who kind of knows what that's like? Anybody knows what that's like? Okay, a few people got like weird families, like Stacy's family. All right, love you, Stacy's family. Anyway, but I tell you that because that's how it was in Jesus' day. When you ate, it was like an hours-long event. And who you ate with, those were, those were your people. And so keep that in mind. Let's go back to Luke chapter 15. Let's reread what we first read. Tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. Then check this out. This made the Pharisees and the teachers of religious law. Okay, what did this make like the, the religious church people do back in the day? It made them complain. complain. And I'll come back to that. It made them complain that he, Jesus, was associating with such sinful people, even eating with these people. And so, wait, wait, wait. Jesus is doing what with the notorious sinners? What is he doing with them? Eating with them. Now, the religious people, they didn't even want to, like, be around them. They didn't even want to let them into the church. But Jesus is eating with his people. They're having, like, hors d'oeuvres with Jesus. They're having appetizers, getting those baby back ribs, five pounds worth of mashed potatoes. They're having dessert, dessert time, too. It's like a progressive dinner experience with Jesus. And, again, who you ate with back in this day was that those were your people. And the religious people complain about this. Now, I've worked in the church for 16 years. And one thing that 16 years in the church has taught me is that religious people love to complain. <laughs> church people, no offense to your church person, me too, all right? Church people love to complain. I remember years ago, we bought so many T-shirts to give out to you all. And, like, we spent more than a school lunch lady's annual salary on T-shirts. And this lady goes in the lobby, and she grabs one of the, the free T-shirts, and she holds it up, and she looks at me, and she says, I guess this church doesn't care about women. I was like, do what? Do what now? Come again. She said, it's a man's t-shirt. I said, number one, I didn't know there was a difference. Okay. Now, ladies, I know now there's a difference. Don't throw your free t-shirt at me. Um, but number two, the t-shirt was free. It was a free t-shirt, you guys. 
But religious people, church people can complain. Look, if we baptize 19 people over here, there's always going to be that one person who's like, well, who's going to pay the water bill for all those baptisms? <laughs> Clearly not you. Okay, I don't know. Church people, religious people love to complain. And in Luke 15, the religious people are complaining because Jesus is getting uncomfortable, is willing to do some uncomfortable things to reach these notorious sinners. And so just like a a Bayshore disclaimer, we're going to do some things around here sometimes that make church people, which I am one, uncomfortable. Like two weeks ago for our 10-year birthday party, we didn't start the service with Amazing Grace. And I love Amazing Grace. We started the church service with um, a journey song. What was it? I don't even remember the name of the song. It was a journey song. It, I don't know. It was awesome. <laughs> and then we had Nick Lachey sing us happy birthday. And we have a clip. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday. I feel like I'm in 98 degrees right now. I really do. And Nick Lachey said my name. Look. They're, they're and one more thing. Pastor Joel, please stop submitting audition tapes for 90 degrees. We're maxed out, man. No more. <laughs> Nick Lachey said my name. Said my name. <laughs> but I've, I've had people say to me like about stuff that we do, like, you can't do that in church. <laughs> I, I think we can, and, and here's why. Because if you want to reach people no one else is reaching, you've got to be willing to do things no one else is doing. If you want to reach people no one else is reaching, you got to be willing to do things no one else is doing. Jesus was willing to sit with notorious sinners, have lunch, lunch and dinner with them, like call them his people, basically. All we're doing is playing Nick Lachey happy birthday videos. Because if you want to reach people no one else is reaching, you got to be willing to do things no one else is doing, which is, which is why we have some unchurched people that come here, and, and I love that unchurched people love our church. Like on our 10-year birthday party, before the servants even started, all right, I'm, I'm walking into the room, and this guy comes and talks to me right here, and he's like, he's all excited about the service. He's like, preacher, this is going to be one blank of a great service. <laughs> True story. And you might say, well, did you tell him, no cousin in church? <laughs> no. I said, yeah, it is. Give me a fist bump. <laughs> and you might say, but he cussed. In church. Yeah, but he's in church. And I want Jesus to change his heart more than I want us to change his behavior. Come on, I want Jesus to change his heart more than I want us to change his behavior. My job here is simple. My job is to love y'all. My job is to point you all to Jesus. My job is to show you how Jesus said is the best way to live and then cheer you on as Jesus changes you. That is my job. Listen, only Jesus can change me. Only Jesus can change you. Only Jesus can change Carrie, okay? No offense, Carrie. <laughs> only Jesus. Do you know what, um, you know what Billy Graham said? I-, I love this. We'll put this quote on the screen. He said, it's the Holy Spirit's job to convict, God's job to judge, and my job to love. It's the Holy Spirit's job to convict, God's job to judge, and my job to love. This right here, that, that's how people change right there. And so at base, sure, it doesn't matter who you are or what you've done. What matters is who Jesus is and what he wants to do in your life. Our job is to cheer you on. Our job is to point you to Jesus. Our job is to love on you. That is our job. 
And so that means we're going to have notorious sinners that come here. And I absolutely, absolutely love that. And here's why. We'll put this on the screen. If we're not attracting the same people Jesus was attracting, then we're not preaching the same message Jesus was preaching. If we're not attracting the same people that Jesus was attracting, then we're not preaching the same message that Jesus was preaching. And aren't you thankful that Jesus allowed you into his family? Is anybody glad about that? Man, me too. Me too. And so we're a church where everyone really is welcome. All right, next one is this. We'll always be a church that values you more than of you. We'll always be a church where we value you more than of you. All right, and so um, I, I want to start out with a question for this part. part. Um, how many of you know you can value a person and still have a different view than them? How many of you know that? Yeah, all right. Now, uh, some of you are like, is this about my Uncle Frank? No. Um, let, let me ask you this question. How many of you, you are like you woke up bright-eyed and bushy-tailed? Where are my morning people at? Just go, woo, if you're a morning person. <laughs> yeah, I like it. I'm a morning person. Can you tell? <laughs> I'm a morning person. Listen, this is me at like 9 in the morning. At 9 at night, this is me. Morning person. Uh, I married a not morning person. And so last Saturday night, um, my wife said to me, she was like, honey, would you just stay up like really, really late with me tonight? Now, my first reaction was no. I do not want to stay up really late. Like if I'm in bed at 930, I am living my best life. All right. I am happy. I am good. I'm like thinking, babe, no, I do not want to stay up late with you. My second thought was, it sounds like there could be some benefit to me later on if I stay up late. And so, yes, ma'am, I will. All right. Last Saturday night, true story, for the first time in like a year, I stayed up past midnight. Now, how many of you, you're just getting started at midnight. You're just, who's getting started? You all need some NyQuil, and you need to chill out, Butch. <laughs> well, listen, we're up so late. This is a true story. I'm sitting on the couch. It's midnight. We're up so late, I saw the robot vacuum drive by. <laughs> I'm like, am I hallucinating? Honey, is it, were, you kept me up to robot vacuuming hours? <laughs> Like, this is, t- like, I do not like this, but Stacey and I have very different views about staying up late. But I value Stacy more than I value my view on not staying up to robot stinking vacuum hours. And it's possible, it's possible to value someone more than you value of you, all right? And so uh, we have a lot of different views at Bayshore. Um, and so let me, let me just show you, uh, how many of you are Philadelphia Eagles fans? Philadelphia Eagles fans? Yeah. They're always so subtle, all right? <laughs> How many of you are a fan of a different team other than the Philadelphia Eagles? Where are the godly people out in the room? (laughs) Different views. Here's another view, all right? How many of you, when you see the light turn yellow, you're like, woo, hit the gas, I'm Vin Diesel. Who does that? Okay, turn in your base, your bumper stickers, please. (laughs) How many of you, you are the responsible people in the room, you see the light turn yellow, and you just choose life and the law, and you slow down? Who does that? Well done, my good and faithful servant. So this is good. <laughs> we got a lot of different views at base. You're on driving, on um, football teams, on politics. Hello. Can I just say something about politics real quick? Just, just one thing. 
Some are like, oh, I don't know. I feel uncomfortable. <laughs> I feel uncomfortable too. Um, but it blows my mind at how many friendships and relationships I've seen strained and ended over the last few years over Joe Biden and Donald Trump. And, and I've seen it so much. And, and listen, th- these, those two guys, in 100 years, most people won't even know their names. And so why would we sell out our soul to a political party when there's a man named Jesus who loves our soul way more than anybody in Washington, D.C. ever will? <laughs> By the way, I'm running for office in 2024. <laughs> totally kidding. You do not want that to happen. Anyway. But we have, a lot of different, we have a lot of different views in the room. And uh, I promise you there's some people in this room, there's some people who are watching online right now who are skeptical of Jesus because somebody valued a view more than them. Maybe it's how somebody treated your, your gay brother or your divorced mother, and now you're not sure about Jesus because of somebody valuing a view more than you. And, and, and so let me, let me just say this. I've, met a, I've never met somebody who's left church because of Jesus. But I've met a ton of people who have left church because of Jesus' follower valued of you more than that person. Um, I uh, got an email from somebody uh, the other day, and uh, this person is divorced. And they said when um, they got divorced, they were a church person, and they, when they got divorced, that the people in their life that they cared about the most, their family, the people who were church people in their life, judged them so much that that person no longer felt welcomed in church. And so they quit church. And some of you know all about this, right? But that person said that they decided to give church one more shot, and they walked into this weird church in a basement. And they said that they didn't feel the judgment that they had felt from other church people. They felt the grace of Jesus, and they have been here ever since. And I absolutely love that, and I'm so proud of you guys for, for stories like that. And, and they, they, they feel welcome here because we value them. We see them. We don't see their relationship history. At Bayshore, listen, we value you. We see you. I see Amy. I see Butch. I see RJ, I see Bing, okay? I, I don't see like addict, drunk, divorced, Republican, Democrat, aristocrat. <laughs> I don't know. I don't see bad drivers. Just kidding. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. Um, but anyway, we see you. But religious people always see someone as their sin and label them as their sin and see notorious sinners. But Jesus saw people he loved and he valued them. He saw people that he loved and he valued them. And aren't you glad that when you become a Jesus follower, God sees you and the grace of Jesus instead of your sin? Aren't you glad about that? And so if if God sees us instead of our sin, when we become a Jesus follower, then that's the kind of church that we want to be. We want to see People. Think about all the people that God saw them and used them in the Bible instead of just, just judging them based on what they did. We call them Bible heroes. All right? I wrote some things down. Okay, God could have seen Noah as a drunk who got so wasted he got naked and passed out. Hello. Instead, God chose to love a sinner because Noah said, God, I'm choosing to follow you. God could have seen David as an adulterer and a murderer. Instead, God chose to love a sinner because David said, God, I'm choosing to follow you. God could have seen Rahab as a prostitute, a woman with a sexual past and present. Hello. 
Instead, God chose to love a sinner because Rahab said, God, I'm choosing to follow you. God could have seen Elijah as suicidal and weak. Instead, God chose to love a sinner because Elijah said, God, I'm choosing to follow you. God could have seen Jonah as the one who literally went the opposite way that God wanted. Instead, God chose to love a sinner because Jonah said, God, I'm choosing to follow you. God could have seen the Samaritan woman's five divorces. Instead, God chose to love a sinner because she said, God, I'm choosing to follow you. Was all that a sin in God's eyes? Yep. Did God love that person as well, even with that sin? Yep. That's the important part. God loves us and chooses us anyway. God loves you just the way you are, but he loves you too much to let you stay that way. God loves us just the way we are, but he loves us too much to just let us stay that way. And so at Bayshore, we will value you more than a view. We have views, but we are going to see you as a person in our church. And so here, here's my last point, is that we will always be a church where we remember we all need God's grace. We all need it. Now, we're starting with the guy on the stage who needs God's grace. I am jacked up. Some of you are like, oh, no, you're not. You're, you're the reverend. You... You glow in the dark. You float on Mountain Dew or whatever. I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) Listen, if you think I'm perfect, you come over when the Ravens are playing the Steelers, and you'll see my sinful nature on full display. I am jacked up. Let me give you one story to prove it, all right? So when I was in college, uh, I was really into bass fishing, and I got a call from my buddy Steve one day, and Steve said, hey, Joel, do you want a John boat? Now, I did want a John boat, but I didn't want to spend money on a John boat. And so I started up making up excuses. I don't know if you've ever done that. And I'm like, oh, you know, Steve, I'm just really not in the market for a John boat right now. I don't really have room for a John boat right now. And he said, well, it's free. I was like, I'll take it. I'll take it. <laughs> so Steve and I, we drove up to Dover, um, and we pulled up to this house to get this, this John boat. And we get out, and Steve starts walking me into the woods. And I'm like, why is the boat in the woods, Steve? Like boats aren't supposed to be in the woods, Steve. And so we get there, and he just stops. And he said, Joel, here's your free boat. And I'm looking. I don't see a, free, I don't see a boat. And then he, like, moves some leaves and a stick. And I'm like, oh, there's the boat. Has anybody ever, like, offered you something for free, and then you see it, and you're like, oh, no, you should be paying me. This is how that should work. And so I now saw why that boat should be free. But it was free, so we, we dug it out of the woods, and we got it back to Millsboro, um, which was great. There was a problem, though. I didn't have a boat trailer to pull the boat around in, but I did have a 1997 green Honda Accord where the back seat would fold down. And so true story, when I was 22 years old, I used to stick a 12-foot John boat that we dug out of the woods in the back of my Honda Accord and drive all over Sussex County to go fishing. You are a wannabe redneck when you got a John boat hanging out of your Honda Accord. I'm driving down the road with my Honda Accord with the boat hanging out like, going fishing. That's true. So I was thinking about that this week, and then uh, a picture came to mind um, that we'll throw on the screen. Isn't it funny how, like, we can be judgmental and then we're like, oh, snap, I'm no different. (laughs) Come on, give me a preach it, brother, if you know what I'm talking about. And so, like, it's funny how we can judge somebody for something that 
the exact same thing that we've done. <laughs> which, which is why, which is why when you walk in our church, if you say, hey, Joe, I messed up this week, we are not going to be like, oh, you did? Butch, get him. <laughs> no, we're going to be like, I'm going to be like, me too. <laughs> I messed up too, all right? And by the way, if you don't think we're messed up, have you met Butch? Just kidding. It was Butch's birthday last yesterday, so I feel like I should just give him a hard time. Uh, anyway, <laughs> but I always want us to be a place where we realize, we remember we all need God's grace. And here's why. Here's why. The worst decision of your life is possibly still ahead of you. The worst decision of your life is possibly still ahead of you. And if that happens, and I hope it doesn't, but if that is the case for you, I want you to feel like you can run to our church instead of being run out of the church. Because that's the type of person that Jesus was, and so that's the type of church that we're going to be. We, Jesus was all about grace. He was always about grace. He is the definition of grace. And so if you walked in here feeling like a notorious sinner, if you felt judged by religious people, I want you to walk out of here knowing that Jesus never said shame on you. Jesus said, I have grace especially for you. Especially for you. So I want you to walk out today not remembering their judgment, but celebrating the Bible's encouragement. And I just want to show you one verse. Isaiah 54, 4 says this. Fear not. You will no longer live in shame. Don't be afraid. There is no more disgrace for you. Fear not. You will no longer live in shame. Don't be afraid. There is no more disgrace for you. Mark, fear not. There, you will no longer live in shame. Look, do not be afraid, Amy. There is no more disgrace for you. Fear not. You will no longer live in shame. Do not be afraid. There is no more disgrace for you. And that's the type of church that Bayshore is, and that's the type of church that Bayshore will always be, which means we're going to be a messy church because we are full of messy people. I'll end with this. Um, Stacy just got a neti pot. This is probably like a HIPAA violation, but any neti pot users, anybody use a neti pot? <laughs> Listen, you guys are brave to use a neti pot. I, I've never used one, but if I like put water up a nose hole, I'm going to be screaming, I need CPR, I need a lifeguard, I need help, you know, something. Um, but, but I was asking Stacey how it worked the other day, and she's like, okay, here's how it works. And this is so weird. You put the, the teapot thing in one nose hole, and then you pour water in your nose, and then the water goes in here and does, you know, starts to do whatever it does in here, and then that nasty water comes out your other nose hole and your mouth hole. What? In other words, <laughs> <laughs> But according to Stacy, it works, all right? According to Stacy, like it starts to fix things up here, and like it's messy, it's messy, water always, it's messy, but it starts to change things up here. And Bayshore is like a neti pot. <laughs> Put it on Instagram, all right? Like, <laughs> we are, listen, it's, we're messy, but in here, Jesus starts to change things. He starts to change things in here. He starts to fix things in here. He starts highlighting areas of your life that you need to work on. And if you just listen to him, the Holy Spirit will convict you, and then you'll start to change. And so Bayshore is like a neti pot. We teach the deep stuff around here, all right? That's the deal. <laughs> but we're going to be that type of church because Jesus attracted notorious sinners. And I want us to be a church that always attracts notorious sinners because 
I'm a sinner and I'm on the stage. The only difference between me and anybody else is I have Jesus. And I hope you have Jesus too. And if you don't have Jesus, I think today will be the very best day to walk out of here knowing I have Jesus. Because when you have Jesus, Jesus values you more than of you. He sees you instead of your sin. And so let's just bow our heads. And if you're here and uh, maybe you've never accepted Jesus, and today you realize that Jesus, he will accept you. He's the one who will, will dine with you, spend time with you. If you want to accept Jesus, this is the best day to do that. And so would you just be willing to just raise your hand up while everybody else's uh, eyes are, are closed? Would you just be willing to say, hey, I want to follow Jesus? If you want to raise your hand, I see that hand. I see people raising their hands. Thank you, guys. Let's just pray this out loud together. If you're a Jesus follower, pray this. If you just raise your hand, pray this. Dear Jesus, I am a sinner, but I am calling you my Savior. I believe you, Jesus, are God's son. You died for my sin, and now I'm accepting you into my life. Thank you, Jesus, for loving a sinner like me. In your name. Amen.